Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? Amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's M Amazing Radio. I am your host, Dr. Law, and with me, Kid Presentable. The one and only in uh, more ways than one. Um, I'll, try, I'll try my best to give uh, you know that DJ Mark level technical breakdown, but uh, don't expect too much. Yeah, um, you know, I'll do my best here as well. Um, spoiler alert, my technical analysis of what happened to Jacare is going to be he got his shit broke off. Um, all right, guys. Uh, yeah, no DJ Mark. Um Lavender Gooms, he's out in Utah trying to secure an interview with Court McGee, but we forgot, I mean, like, Court McGee, his relationship with Court McGee isn't what yours and mine is, Steph, so we weren't able to secure it necessarily, but he's working on it. I mean, if I want to get that interview with Court McGee, all I have to do is go out to the general public, mm-hmm. uh, wander around, and there he'll be, you yep. know? Seriously, the best is when we're in that fucking, like, flea market, and I'm just like, Stefan, look, it's Court McGee, he's just right there. Um, all right, folks. Um, we got ourselves a new UFC lightweight champion. Um, and we got further confirmation that goddamn, that's the best division in this sport. A lot of fun shit happened, but we're going to talk about Charles Oliveira. Um, really exemplifying, I think, why this probably my favorite sport. We saw a lot, see a lot of storylines coming out of that fight. Talk about where he goes from here. Talk about Michael Chandler, a man who got so close, so goddamn close. Um, we're going to talk about Benil Dariush calling out or calling out Elon Musk and fighting in the name of those of us who have been influenced by Marxist ideologies. Look, Benil seems like a nice guy, but that was real fucking weird. Um, we're going to talk about Tony Ferguson, where he goes from here. You know, he has the line of the fucking year already. We'll talk about, though, his career. That's really at this point. Uh, we're going to skip over two fights almost blatantly. We're going to talk about Edson Barboza, Shane Burgos, making us all wonder what happens when a man's body says no. No more fighting. And yeah, Jacare, shit broke entirely. Stefan, let's get into it. Charles Oliveira, man. You know, when uh, when Michael Michael Bisping had that record, they said, for most win, most UFC fights before winning a championship. And I think they said it was like 24 or 25 or something like that. I could be wrong here. I did think, well, that, that, that one's never going anywhere. Charles Oliveira, brother, 28 UFC fights before winning the championship. Well, go yeah. ahead. Yeah. What do we see yeah, last Saturday, Saturday night? <laughs> 28 career fights. Uh, I believe with this win, I think I read with, he has 17 finishes now, which yep. sets a, uh, another UFC mark. Um, you know, in basketball terms, it's something they talk about a lot. And, uh, you know, our guy with the Golden State Warriors, Steph Curry, they say he'll be the last of them. That guy who kind of begins and ends his career with one team, mm-hmm. and that's that. And like, in a way, that's kind of what uh, Charles Oliveira. Not that he had his entirety of his career in the UFC, but we saw him show up pretty young. Was he nineteen, he, eighteen, or something like that? Yeah, like I, I said, my earliest memory of him was when he slicked Efren Escudero. They got into a clinch. He bounces him off the cage. And then just immediately gets them all tangled up and tats him. You know, you always knew he was like a slick jujitsu kid, skinny beanpole, right? Mm. That that's what you remember. You just remember this long, skinny beanpole, great jujitsu. You know, kind of solid kickboxer. But then, what was kind of the stain on his career for so long was that Donald Cerrone jab, 
But let's be honest, that was a very young Charles Oliveira against the prime uh, Donald Cowboy when that happened, you know. But from that point, you know, he's a guy that you never wrote him off, right? You never thought he was washed. You just never knew if he was quite championship material. But um, if you look at his last eight fights in particular, some some light switch flitch, uh, light switch flipped, and maybe it's the guy just entering his late twenties and physically maturing. But that striking power we never thought was there. It's been there for a minute now, um, and it kind of really culminated in you know again a picture perfect left hook was the sequence. But um, I mean, in terms of the whole fight, you know, it was only what like barely. I think it was 19 seconds into the second round. Yeah, it was a, it was an action-packed round, and then it went real quick in the second. But, I mean, in that the, all I remember is the first fight, there was a bit of an overhand left uh, from Chandler that kind of grazed uh, Charles. But once he hit the ground, you realize that actually cut him really good. That was a good cut above the eye. There was a lot of blood on Charles' face, which would then later on be on Dana White's face, by the way. <laughs> yeah, that was – I mean, let's, I mean, people who didn't see it, just a quick recap of what happened – Fight starts immediately. Chandler gets calf kicked and falls over, and you're like, "Whoa, what? We're doing this now!" But Chandler, um, Chandler does this thing with his striking that, um, it's how he knocked out, um, oh fuck, help me, Hooker. How he knocked out Hooker, but he does it a lot too. Is that he'll throw a lot of single strikes, single strikes, single strikes, right? And then eventually, it's not that complicated. He will follow that up with. Then eventually, he'll throw that strike again and follow it up with a big looping overhand. And he cracked uh, Oliveira. Not that. Forcefully, you mentioned grazed him with the left, big le overhand left. They went to the ground, and then at some point, Oliveira's on his back for three minutes. You thought three minutes left. Yeah, I'm like, you thought it's I mean, over. <laughs> I, I, you know, it's one of those things where, like I said, with Oliveira, he's come a long way. Is you know, in the past, those kind of shots might have made Charles wilt, mm -hmm. but he fired the takedown immediately. Mm -hmm. Like you know, and like you said, in the scramble, he ended up getting a tight, tight body triangle on him. I thought we were and going like, home. I thought, I thought we were done. Like, yeah. Charles Oliveira's got your back with three minutes left in the round. We're going home. I mean, it, where it looked bad was Chandler was able to stand with him riding on the back, and he did that kind of desperate saving throw. Mm. But how many times have we seen it where, like, that just makes it worse? That just sinks it in deeper, right? Yeah. He just straight dove to his back with Charles on him as if that slam would get him off. But we've seen countless times that that gets, you know, that just gets it in deeper. But I mean, he, he what he did really well there was he he fought uh, Charles' hands really well, mm -hmm. and Charles he kind of lulled him into a sense of false security where Charles was kind of doing those pitter patter punches, yeah. couldn't really generate anything. But in that complacency, like props to, to Chandler, he exploded. Yeah. He was able to twist and completely flip it into guard, um, and that's what allowed him to kind of escape. Like you said, we thought, you know, I thought Charles, we're done. <laughs> Charles <laughs> on your back with three and a half minutes to work. That ends with a submission more often than it doesn't. But, yeah, and um, then um, later on in that round, I broke back up. That the second time you got him with the overhand left, he fucking walloped Charles Oliveira, and Charles Oliveira's on the ground. He's hurt, but he's moving. He's defending. And Steph, I feel this is like we really got to see. You mentioned it like this is like the knock on Charles Oliveira was beyond the technical. Like okay, maybe his hands or legs were feet where his striking wasn't there yet was that if things aren't going well, he's not going to come back from it. Like, and I don't want to say, like, Daniel Cormier said, like, I don't want to say the word quitter, but that was the reputation. Like, not that he's, like, giving up necessarily. He's just, he, like, he's not going to turn it around. And we really saw his maturity where, like, he got his, he got his shit rocked. And, like, he lost that round. And, you know, second round comes. He survived. Second round comes. 19 seconds in. 
beautiful Rampage Jackson-esque left hook. Dr uh, hits Chandler. Chandler tries to recover. Fucking can't. Gets dropped, finishes him off. And Do Bronx, man, he did it. He, like, that was like, and like, you fell for Chandler here. And I'm not the biggest Chandler fan in the world. And I'll say this, though. The man does not have boring fights. This guy just, he's in it to end fights. And he's a bit too hittable sometimes. And he just got hit with the right shot at the right time. And, you know, all class at the end talked about how Charles Oliveira is the, one of the toughest guys he's ever faced, obviously. And Charles Oliveira bled all over Dana White. Charles Oliveira ran into the crowd. People were psyched. That was an all-time celebration right there. That was that was really cool. Yeah, I mean, even as soon as he, in the victory, you see a lot of guys have emotional reactions, not quite like Charles did. Mm -hmm. He was in tears. He was kissing the belt. Mm -hmm. Like, it was almost kind of pro wrestling-esque mm -hmm. in his reaction to the belt. Not to say that it's fake, but it's just like it was just such a level of emotion. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of guys in MMA, they're too cool, right? They're too cool. They're too tough. They're too badass to really have that kind of genuine mm -hmm. moment. Um, but we got it with Charles, you know, um, and that, that, like you said, that that is kind of the story on him is that he not necessarily a front runner, but that, you know, he doesn't necessarily push through adversity. But like again, man, I haven't super gone over his history of fights like, you know, tooth and comb, like, you know, thoroughly, thoroughly reviewing it. But I think, you know, kind of I think Mark would I would agree if he was here with me. It's kind of like what we did with Dos Anjos. Mm -hmm. There was one really bad memory and it just kind of colored our picture of him for a while, but it just might've been that one time, right? It yeah. might not have been a career of it. Well, you know, but, he also, um, it also translated in wins and losses because he was 10, eight, 10 and eight, 10, eight and one in the UFC. And then since then he's nine and one, I think the only loss being the Felder in the middle there. Like he, something, I don't know if it's a new team or whatever, but like, cause we never heard about where Charles Oliveira trains. It's in Brazil. Um, I, I, per per the uh per the um countdown show which I did catch, uh he's he's a shoot box guy. So uh <laughs> I guess, you know, get in your ass kicked in camp all day eventually you can't wilt to that pressure. And he's like he was missing weight. He kept he's still talking about going back to forty five now. He just won that. Missing belt. weight was the tough part. He today like today he said he wants to go to forty five. Like today. He just became champion. Like this is a man who like and God bless. The interview started, and I'm like, it's not going to be a word of fucking English. Not even a thank you, Houston, or anything. With like, There's not I mean, a Bobby, word. <laughs> one of the nice touch was, is right after the fight ended, he wants to run up to talk to Michael Chandler and give him words of respect. He brings the translator. Yeah, he's like, he's like I got no got English for you, man. So here's immediately this translator. I can't even say good fight. I can't even say respect in English. The translator's here. We're, we're gonna, gonna I just imagine Oliveira walking around wherever city they're fighting in with that Google Lens thing, you know, where it just, like, you hold it up and it translates for you. <laughs> He's just try, trying to figure out his shit the whole time. That was, like, man, these guys wanted it, too. Like, Chandler at the press conference, I, I'm not sure if you saw this clip where he answers the final question about, like, oh, you know, I'll be back. I'm, you know. All the standard stuff you say being a class act. But then, like, they, they have, there's no more questions for him. And he puts his head on the microphone. And just takes like a deep sigh before getting up. And you're like, this guy knows this weight class, man. Like, I, Charles Oliveira had to be in this fucking weight class for 28 fights. Like, Tony Ferguson had to win like 10 fights to get an interim title fight. And like, you know, there was injuries and stuff. But like, it's not easy to get a title shot in this weight class. And I, like, I will say, I think with Chandler in that moment, you know, it's 
we're not in his head, right? So we don't know. But to me, I, I would read that moment, not that it's going to take him a long road to get back because he's still in the thick of things, mm-hmm. right? Like, you know, if he beats a Justin Gaethje, he's not, it's not going to take him. Hey, a by seven, the way, they don't, if they, I was going to ask you if that's next because if they don't book that, we're just ruining all the fun, right? Like that's what. Yeah. So it's like, you know, if he, he can bounce back real quick, I think the exasperation for him is how close he was. Yeah. <laughs> you know, at the end of the first round, he was one, maybe one just slightly better punch away from having gotten that, you know? So it, it's tough, right? He, he's 35. He's still got time left, but, you know, you were really close. He, it's not that he just got starch, which happened in the second round. That first round was his. So, you know, you got to feel for the guy who just barely, you know, loses um, at the finish line. But I, I, I fully believe him back. And like you said, um, if, it appears that the most likely title challenger should be the winner of uh dustin connor <laughs> more looking at dustin rather than connor deserving it but obviously you know well, connor- honestly i will say that connor deserves it because i think dustin poirier is ba- was basically the uncrowned champion sure. honestly like at this point we're talking remember we talked about like well who's left out in this combination of fights it was justin gaethje justin yeah. gaethje's the one who got kind of fucked in this equation um and if connor beats dustin poirier or dustin beats Con- connor that's it that's if Dustin beats Connor, that is absolutely the fight, right? Let's just get into it. There's no scenario where it's not Dustin Poirier versus Charles Oliveira. Connor McGregor versus Charles Oliveira will be the fight if Connor McGregor wants to fight Charles yeah, Oliveira. Yeah, that's the only thing that gets complicated there is because Connor's not necessarily the belt guy, mm-hmm. right? He could be. He's saying the right things. It makes sense for him because he actually kind of has quite a lot to prove right now. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a lot of a lot of shine came off with that Dustin loss. Mm-hmm. Um so, you know, maybe he has something to prove. And like we've said in the past, Connor's always been best when he's the hunter. Yeah. Right. He doesn't do as well being the hunted. Right. He he needs that little extra push of motivation to have the pinnacle to reach for. But, you this know, this is also what, a say. This is also not a new challenge. That's why I wonder if he even yeah. wants it. Like, also, by the way, this weight class, can you confidently say any of these guys in the top five is going to definitely beat one of the other guys in the top five? Because I don't, the total top, I love Charles Oliveira. He may not hold his belt more than one fight. Like, it's, it's a mess. It's true. <laughs> you know, like, he, he was just as close to losing it. But what I will say what I like about Charles, he might be the most complete guy at lightweight. Um, because, like I said, he got rocked by that overhand. And he took down Michael Chandler, who is a very well-credentialed wrestl- MMA wrestler mm. with a blast double. And he got it easy. It's not that he fought for it. He didn't have to push him to the fence. He didn't have to break him down. He just shot and got it and took his back in the scramble. So, you know, he might be the most complete fighter. And look how technically sound he was. That left hook, you know, they they, they were raving. Picture perfect. Right hand up, covering the chin. You know, no wasted motion. Just It reminded me of the one Quentin hit uh, Vanderlei with, honestly. It reminded me of just like he nailed him. Um do you find it a miracle that he has not already fought uh, Dustin Poirier? Because I'm sitting here not believing that they haven't fought each other. Yes and no. It's like, you know, like we said, it's the it's the shark pool or the shark tank, right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of talented fighters that have come through this division. Mm-hmm. And also Poirier, in event, he, he had also been kind of floating through 145, too. So they were kind of trading off. But, you know, it's just one more fight to look forward to. It's like when we said you know, before this fight even got made, this is just essentially a tailor-made tournament yeah. in lightweight right here. And so it'll work itself out. Um, all the matchups are exciting. It's it's truly the healthiest division, I'd say, in the UFC right now. This, honestly, this sport, like, as you go down in weight, it just gets better and better. I mean, the 55, 
45, 35. 25 is not there yet. You can tell 25 is getting better with guys like Brandon Moreno and Figueroa. And finally, it's once the big champion leaves, that's when the weight class kind of gets his shit together. You've noticed. Um, but that's it, man. Like the sport, the, the the weights where they can't go play a different sport for more money is where the sport gets very good. Um, all right. Um, yeah, Chandler versus Gaethje. I strongly want to see Chandler versus Gaethje. That is the fight to make. Um, not Gaethje versus Dariush. I'm sure that'll be fun. Look, they're all good fights in lightweight, but I want Gaethje versus Chandler. That sounds like a good fight to me. Um, speaking of the man, Benil Dariush beating Tony Ferguson. Were you bored watching this? Because I was not, but maybe because in my head I had a narrative going of like, man, he's really going to be Tony. He's just going to be Tony. <laughs> um, I would say bored isn't the right word. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the fight was a little uneventful. You mm-hmm. know, it was kind of defeating, right? The crowd was on Tony's side. That was very obvious from the get-go. You know, he was the star of the press conference, right? We'll, we'll you know, we'll talk about his great... It was a Mexican you know, in Texas versus zing, an Iranian, brother. brother. I mean, come on. Liner. <laughs> I, from what? From Glendale? I, 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 he's from like Southern California, I believe, right? Yeah, whatever. His, <laughs> his, his, my man's Mexican. He's El Cucuy, okay? In Texas, yeah. right? <laughs> it's just, it's one of those things as, you know, you watched it and it kind of revealed, right? It, part of it was like, Man, did we really think that this was the guy who had something for Khabib? You know, like, oh, he can just be controlled, you know? And and so that's boring isn't the right word, but Benil didn't threaten anything. Well, he, okay, he well, did okay, threaten wait. He, wait, he popped his shit. He popped his shit, in fairness. Okay. <laughs> Once he realized that he couldn't get Tony to tap. There we go. Because, <laughs> yes, he got a great heel hook in in uh during the scramble he you know so he's a very adept grappler i my bad i i apologize benil daryush i am not a follower of marxist ideologies that's not why i'm throwing shade on you i I just forgot that's right he got a great heel hook and you see absolute agony on tony's face and then nothing happens and then the scramble just keeps going so i think but from that point but you know that's how the fight ended was a lot of top control what did i say um what's that that ref's name mike uh beltran mike beltran i was like mike he really respects top control because there was a lot of laying in position where just nothing was happening it was one of those fights where tan dan might have gotten bored (laughs) and been like fuck it boys get up um by the way beltran i'm telling you he had to shave that mustache to fit him fit it under a mask i'm telling you there's no way he could have kept the the long fucking braided so just to kind of wrap it so it's again boring's not the right word is it's just it's not that exciting right it's benil one in a definitive manner, but it wasn't such a pronounced manner that you're like, he's here, he's one of the top guys, throw him in against the Gaethje's, the Chandler's. You don't get that excitement because it's not, I mean, if he pulled off that heel hook, yes, but he he didn't. So you're just kind of hoping of a more like definitive, like true finish. And then with Tony, it's just also coming off of his recent string of fights. You can't help but think, oh, maybe this guy's just done at least on the elite end yeah. of the scale, right? Because he's lost three in a row, and they were three very definitive losses. You know, he showed his heart, his toughness, but he has had no ability to apply any offense of his own. I think that I think that first fight, man, he took a lot of damage. You have yeah. those kind of fights where, like, Justin beat his ass. And it kind of reminded me of, like, after when, like, Lawler fight Carlos Condit, and you're just afterwards, you're like, these, are, these guys aren't going to be the same. And then they were not the same. Rory McDonald was never the same. You get a beating in a fight. That's not, I mean, Tony's also 37 years old. He's been in a lot of MMA fights and he's not exactly hard to hit. 
But that's like, the that's the weird thing that's slightly off of it, and maybe it just means we're actually one more fight of way from it going off the cliff. Usually when that happens, right, it means you see the guy, he starts getting turned off easier, right? Mm. Punches that wouldn't knock him out suddenly do. They get caught in submissions that they never would. Tony's still really freaking tough, but he can't get his offense off anymore. He's not his his funky like striking style. He's not getting those elbows anymore. His punches aren't really dropping anyone anymore. And he, his grappling hasn't been sharp enough to get anyone. We got two straight fights where he should have tapped out to things that fucked him up. Yes. Honestly. And, and the one against Gaethje, remember his body just like, he just couldn't. He took so much damage that he just like, it was like, you know, just immediately crumbled from pain, it looked like. He just couldn't do it anymore. Yeah, Tony can't necessarily, I mean, he's going to convince himself he didn't get knocked out. He'll probably, you know, talk himself into another, you know, big one. But he should be fighting guys closer to like, this is a tough division, man. You know, let's say guys closer to 10, 11, maybe 12 in that area. You know? Yeah, I mean, he kind of slides into gatekeeper-like territory now. You know, like the high-level one where if you beat him, you're probably a real fighter, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but unfortunately, that's just kind of where he is. I I can't see him beating any of the top guys anymore. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say the UFC might just do some wild shit and book him and Edson Barboza because they did it once. And they're like, oh, we can main event a fight night with that. And then we all get to wonder about this man taking damage all over again. That's what I just, in my head, that's what the cup of fight they're going to give him. But the name value's there. And that's why, you know, he, he won't get cut losing three in a row. But it's, you're, you know, when it goes comes going forward, we're not, the majority of us will not be picking Tony Ferguson in the next fight he's in. Yeah, Mark, Mark, his guy is Tony. Mark didn't pick his guy Tony. Um, and I didn't pick the only Iranian in the UFC. Um, so, yeah, we probably should have switched there. Um, Rodrigo Bor- uh, Bontorin, Matchnell. Look, I mean, this was the fight where I was eating chicken wings, and this was like, I'll be honest with you guys, I have nothing. And uh, I mean, Stefan, do you have anything notable to say? They went to the decision. One guy missed weight by a lot. Yeah, the guy who missed weight by a lot won. Yep. Um, Good for him. Oh, we didn't actually say it, so we'll just circle back to Tony. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Line of the fucking year uh, where he was at the press conference before telling Michael Chandler he didn't deserve this title shot and it was gifted to him. And how did he get that title shot, Stefan? He's got Dana White privilege. Dana White privilege, man. That is, yeah. Um, that was, Dana, by the way, I mean, Dana this was one, cracking up. Dana, <laughs> Dana recognized I'm not that line. I'm really like enjoying Dana White these days, but Dana White giving a big hearty bellow of a laugh and then Chandler being like, thanks, Dana. That made it awesome the whole thing was just wonderful and then tony said hey man we should make the performance bonus a 75k instead of 50k and then they did it so he didn't get any of that money but you know someone who did should probably cut tony a check you know pitch him a couple grand um you know you know who should have been uh tweeting that out is um one john jones because Mm. uh you know Dana White doesn't have money to pay this guy, but you can just increase the bonuses on a whim because you got that money laying around, apparently. Um, Absolutely. Um, all right. Um, Caitlin Chukasian, Vivian Arujo. We all pick Caitlin, I think, because we're all just like, this lady's tough. She wins fights. People thought she didn't win. Okay. Steph, what else do we say? <laughs> yeah, it's... I think this is something we have been saying is with how close this fight was and how the judging was kind of walking, particularly a 30-27, 
Um, that's that's the one that stood out. There's no way that Caitlyn won all three rounds because she. I definitely thought she lost the second. I missed the first round, but heard she was losing that one. Um, so that was just kind of wonky. But like I, I said, the, the problem is if this was two versus seven, it shows the Grand Canyon size gulf between the contenders and the champion. Um, yep. And so what our takeaway from this is, is there's no contender and there's no, there's mean? no compelling contender. What, so you you don't sucks. think that, wait, did I have a, did they say someone's fighting her already or not? No, I'm thinking about Pena. That's 135. That makes no yeah. sense either. That one, that one's great. <laughs> yeah. <this> show, <laughs> yeah. Let's, it's, um, you know, we'll get to see Valentina style on someone again, whenever they decide Valentina to versus Amanda. Let's just fucking do it. All right. <laughs> just do it. <laughs> Um, all right. Uh, Edson Barboza, Shane Burgos was everything it was advertised to be two kickboxers beating the shit out of each other. And then in the, um, third round, Shane Burgos got hit with a right and he looked like he was okay. And then about six seconds later, he fell over because he was not okay. Very delayed reaction to a knockout. Also, I'm not sure how many times I've seen Edson Barboza knock people out with, uh, with his hands, Steph. Yeah, I mean, there's normally an accumulation, right, where it is a guy crumbles. So in, in that sense, it kind of fits. But um, I do wish Mark was on to at least talk about this, maybe yeah. somewhere in his wealth of combat watching. Maybe it was in a kickboxing match. But I've just never seen this kind of delayed reaction. Right? Yeah. Um, we were kind of we were talking in, when we were kind of warming up on our pre-show was like, you know, the delayed reaction, a lot of it, we we kind of associated it with the, the liver shot, right? Mm-hmm. Where... You know, it gets hit, your body shuts down. You know, we saw it famously kind of with Paul Daly is one of the guys that happened to. It just takes them a second, right? Because your body is sending signals to the brain. But yeah, what we saw here was it was just like a straight right that kind of cracked, you know, him on the eye. That's why I was reading like, oh, was it an orbital shatter? Because, you know, maybe there's a delayed reaction from the pain there. Um, From the medicals, it wasn't an orbital thing. You know, he takes the punch, he gets his hands up. And then he takes one step back, staggers, collapses into the fence, just falls face forward. Um, yeah, it, it's not, you know, when we, people say, it's wow, wonky, <laughs> we're not questioning the legitimacy. We're not saying there was a throw. It just looked weird. You know, I even saw a headline where it said Edson Barboza himself says, I'm not sure where I hit him. That that's what happened. Like, you know, um, but th- I mean, the two guys were having a war. So, you know, maybe it's just an accumulation. Maybe he was just heavily concussed and his brain was just catching up. Uh, who, we, well, we won't know for sure. Yep. Um, Edson Barboza, man, will still fuck you up. Just Edson Barboza's there, man. And Shane Burgos, hope he's okay because I like watching him fight. I very, I, I very much enjoy watching him fight, quite frankly. Um, all right. Andre Muniz. Jacare Souza on the prelims. Now, four minutes into the fight, Jacare gets armbarred, and the video I heard, posted by UFC Canada, I'm not sure they jacked up the microphone, you heard this man's arm snap like a twig, and then you also saw him be totally unbothered by his broken arm, smile, and give the gentleman a hug when the fight was over. That part was less surprising, because I think a lot of people know the story of Jacare winning the Jiu-Jitsu World Championships. Where he's facing Hodger Gracie. Hodger Gracie breaks his arm. Honol does, uh, Jacare doesn't tap out. So he t- puts his useless arm into his belt and defends for another minute or so and wins on points. 
So Jacare is a different type of human being. Stefan, let me ask you this. Four straight losses. Do, who is the UFC really going to call Jacare and tell him, hey, man, we know you just broke your shit entirely, but we all, we're sending you a trash bag with all your belongings. You're cut. Like, <laughs> are we done? I mean, this is something for Jacare to consider at this point is what is he still fighting for? You know, um, he I mean, yeah, he, he's so far removed from the title picture. Does he just want to be a name that kind of gets fed to be name value fodder? Maybe. I don't know. But, you know, like uh, it's like the joke I made with him and, and Chris Weidman too recently. You know, these old middleweights, they need to check their diet if they've been secretly drinking milk because mm. their bone is very brittle. You know, um, we've got a lot of snapping of old middleweights limbs lately. But Jockery, his name is still going to carry value for a little I mean, he's bit. He's got a relationship with um, our dude Scotty Coker over there, too, you know, from yeah. Strike Force days. I mean, yeah, he could always go to the old man's division, the uh, the UFC washouts. You know, he'll he has value, right? If he wants to fight, he'll keep fighting. It's a big thing of should he anymore at this point. Something's clearly been lost, right? He he had never been subbed. Had we been foolish enough to pick this fight, I know some of you suckers would have picked Jacare on name value here. You know, um, yeah, I would have. I don't know so, the hell this other guy is. You know, it's just one of those. I don't think he should fight anymore, but if he wants to, he clearly will keep going. You know some motherfucker went into a casino drunk and bet on this other dude by submission against Jacare. And, like, he bet, like, 10 bucks as a joke, and he won, like, 150. And now he's just like, could have been rich. Could I mean, have been rich. as hard, much of hardcores as we used to be, you know, just due to burnout and saturation of the market. But um, if you did go into Muniz's credentials, he's not a nobody. Apparently, he is a very renowned grappler in his own right. Fair and enough. He's a lot younger, so you know it's 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 one of those. In hindsight, it's actually shouldn't have been shocking that he could win by sub. But like I said, Jacare just has so much name value. Sometimes it's tough to accept that people just are old, right? Dana said yep. it with Tony. Time catches up to us all. You know, no one is immune to it in sports. Yep. Um... Lando Venata had a really nice performance against Mike Grundy, and I know Lando has a lot of split decisions, so I think people might just be like, oh, another split. But he won this fight easily, and one of the judges was giving 10s to the wrong guy. That's the only explanation. I thought he looked really good. Um, and Andrea Lee with a sweet triangle armbar on Antonita um, Shevchenko, which, you know... She's not as good as Valentina, man. <laughs> it's just the way it is. Not everybody's, you know. You know what? Yeah, you know. I have siblings. You know, I won't say what the order is. There's always a lesser sibling. Everyone who's had siblings knows there's well, a lesser sibling. She's a commercial pilot. She got other shit going on, you know. Um, and uh, Christos Gygos got a performance of the night bonus with a sweet Bravo choke on the curtain jerker. I point that out because the fight of the night, Barboza versus Burgos, cool. Performance of the night, Charles Oliveira and Christos Gygos with his Bravo choke. That's right. Tapping, uh, breaking Jacare's fucking arm does not get you a performance bonus. I don't understand that entirely. But... That's a bit shocking. That's a bit shocking. <laughs> that, that is I'm definitely. Just, I'm just saying, if I'm, look, I'm curtain jerking Christos Gygos probably doesn't have a lot of cash, but maybe, you know, maybe buy Muniz a beer. <laughs> uh, you muted yourself, Steph. Oh, the I say the no name guy who beat Jacare, he's not getting a big paycheck either. I'm pretty yeah, sure. So, yeah. uh, that's another guy who could have used that performance bonus. We need one of those things. We need to bring back those locker room bonuses where they just like give a guy money 
just for like the sake of it, you know, to keep him off. The, the Fertitas, hey, we like you guys. Let's just, let's, let's, we like you. Check. Let's cut this guy a check for ten grand. I mean, let's probably cut Jacare check for ten grand too. Um, but that's a man. That's a different. Like you said, Bobby, that new Venom uniform deal didn't adjust for inflation. So there's not a, a lot of money they, there. They lost money. <laughs> um, all right, that's it for UFC 262. Uh, I thought the main card. You give me three entertaining fights. I'm, I'm okay. It was two entertaining fights, and one more so that you're like, oh, this good guy is not good anymore. Ah, it was okay. We were supposed to get Nate and um, Leon Edwards on this for five rounds. I imagine that's going to be a good time in a few weeks. Um, and we also lost Edmund Shabazian versus uh, Jack Hermanson, which has actually got moved to this week because a member of, I believe, Jack's team. Um, yeah, no, sorry. One a member of Jack's team had a COVID issue. Um, but they're fighting this coming week, and we'll talk about that fight uh, shortly here. Um, some news, Stefan. Um I guess the biggest news, besides the fact that Stipe's in bulking season and apparently he's going to get a title shot after <laughs> Lewis and Ngannou. Seriously, Stipe's going to come in like a 260. <laughs> it's going to be great. Um, the highest paid athlete in the world last year was Mr. Conor McGregor. Um, as I mean, these are all estimates as done by Forbes every year. Conor McGregor got $180 million. And I like the breakdown of he got $22 million on the field. I'm doing air quotes. This is not a visual medium. I get it. And 158 off the field. <laughs> so selling his whiskey brand, which for something that's only existed for like two, three years, props. Selling it for $150 million, well fucking done. But Conor McGregor, number one, made $180 million um, last year. Which makes you think, man, he must really like MMA that he's even doing this. Because you wouldn't hear from me ever again, Steph. <laughs> like oh, yeah, I, I, you know, I kind of downplayed it in the sense that, like, look, none of that had came to do with being a sportsman. <laughs> you know, it's That was just a business transaction that somehow got him above everyone else's endorsement deals. Um, you know, but it is so it's a one off. So, you know, we're not going to see Connor this high next year. But the fact that he hit number one, even if it's for one year, that's amazing. Considering we haven't seen an MMA fighter near this yeah. list ever. Considering think. the amount of money that's in baseball, that's in foot, you know, football, international soccer, right? Well, I was going to say number two, Lionel Messi at 130 yeah. million. Number three, uh, by the way, uh, Messi had about 97 on the field. So I don't know what I mean, the paychecks at Real are. All right, Barcelona are real nice. Um, Ronaldo at 120 million, and then Dak Prescott at 107 million, then LeBron at 97 million at number five. So yeah, man, these other sports normally pay better. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, hats off. You know, uh, it'll be the last MMA fighter we see for a while on this list, most likely. Unless I do have a caveat. You know, this is official above board reported money, Bobby. But if we could somehow uh, quantify oligarch money. You know Khabib. You know he's a top yeah, five guy. Yeah, how much did Khabib make? I need to know that. Right. By the way, the, the, the measuring stick here was from May for the, the the season they measured was May first, twenty twenty, to May first, twenty twenty one, which we might as well call this pandemic profiteering by athletes. Now that I'm looking at this, uh, so this Dak window. only just made the cut because they gave him that contract at the end of the season. Yeah, he didn't Dak, have it for the whole yeah. season. Dak just got paid this week, basically. How much did we give Trent Williams? Isn't he gonna you know be up here somewhere? Didn't we give him like sixty million or something guaranteed? Something shit, some shit like that. It's not that um, whiskey money, Bobby. It's not but, whiskey. Uh, Dax on the field is ninety-seven point five million. Off the field, ten million. So yeah, Dak is uh, he's got a 
Yeah, fo- yeah, American football players are not really great for endorsements. Yeah, but I guess Connor's got uh, deals with, obviously, Proper 12. He made a lot of money. DraftKings, uh, the video game Dystopia Contest of Heroes. I'm going to guess a mobile game, honestly. And then um, apparently he's got a Roots of Fight deal, which I think I need to look at the Roots of Fight website because I didn't know Connor's on there. So I don't know about the Roots of Fight, man. All I know is that Brett the Hitman heart jacket is like, Two hundred fifty dollars. That's yeah. ridiculous, guys. That is ridiculous. Bret Hart doesn't own that jacket. Yeah, come on. Let, let, look, we all love the Hart Foundation, but we gotta like. <laughs> it's, it's like still like ten percent unemployment, right, or something. Like, come on, let's get it together. Um, the other news and uh, is Bellator's back this week, and Bellator's like, hey, remember how cool it was when Cyborg fought Leslie Smith? No, no, it wasn't cool. Well, imagine it was cool because we're doing it again. Um. My takeaway from this, Steph, is that we've been doing this a long time with Cyborg, where we just send some person out there to lose to Cyborg. Like, we saw we saw her beat up Jan Finney in June of 2010. Like, it's been a hot minute. It might have been 2009, I mean, actually. Cyborg, <laughs> I, she's, she's kind of been quiet lately, but I feel like when she first went over to Bellator, she was doing, I, I think Pitbull copied her move, where, like, I'm going to call out fighters and other organizations that I'm clearly never going to fight. You know, let's do a co-brand thing. It's like, Cyborg, they, they cut you, or they didn't re-sign you. You know, you're not going yeah, to get fight a UFC fighter. Look, and all for if, if the, you know, pure meritocracy, there's no other 145-pound fighters in the world worth a damn. It would be nice if she was there. She's not. So, and we all love Leslie Smith. She's, you know, all you motherfuckers complaining about pay now. Maybe you should have signed one of those union cards Leslie Smith was trying to get you to sign. So, just I got saying. some nonsense for you, Bob. Purely hypothetical. Who would you pick in some t- world where there is either an open weight or agreed upon catch weight? Valentina Shevchenko or Cyborg? I think if they weighed the same amount, I would pick Valentina. I don't know, man. Valentina barely lost to Amanda, and Amanda dusted Cyborg, huh? If there was, like, let's say they can agree on just some type of 15-pound open weight. I mean, I like Valentina a lot. I'd probably pick Valentina. <laughs> let's be honest. She's my favorite female fighter. And just say, there's not a lot of things to do with Cyborg right now is my point. Yeah, I'm the only one trying to book that Valentina versus Amanda fight that wasn't even good the first two times. Um, yeah, I don't think anything else really is going on news-wise. Um... um but yeah, um, before we do stuff we like, just want to say uh, New Jack died the other day. We're not and... doing any picks? Oh, wait, I forgot picks. We'll talk about New Jack after. You know what? I already said it. We'll you do picks after. Jack, I'm... Bobby. What's going on yeah. with New Jack? So New Jack, um, if you're a wrestling fan, you probably know New Jack, I'd say. If you're a wrestling fan in the 90s even. I don't know, actually. Maybe you don't. New Jack. Um, New Jack took wrestling for real. Let's put it like that. New Jack stabbed motherfuckers in the in a ring if he was disrespected. He's a very controversial figure, obviously, for a number of reasons. Man famously was in Mass Smoky Mountain Wrestling in Kentucky, um, playing a heel, and went on Southern Wrestling Television and said, shout out to OJ Simpson for taking care of two of them. You know, two less to worry about. So I mean, we'll say about New Jack, like, you know, I, we both, we're both Reddit users, Bobby, and we, we you know, we, we frequent Squared Circle I had never seen a rest in peace wrestling thread like the one to New Jack. A good thirty five percent were good. Fuck that guy. Glad he's gone. Like 
the people who don't like New Jack. Really yeah, well, in don't fairness, like New Jack, New Jack's done Jack. some shit. Like, yeah, like I saw Lance Storm. There's a rap sheet on New Jack. Oh, well, I mean, literal rap street. Yeah, I mean, New Jack was talking about the time where like he had to like he was just taking smoke, snorting cocaine right before fights. The time he was in a scaffold match where he tased the other guy and just heaved him off. Because that was watch the dark side of the ring about New Jack. I don't know what's going on with uh, Vice. They don't care. It's on YouTube. Watch it. It's very interesting. But I did. Lance Storm had a thing on Twitter where he said, "Don't tag me in things where you want to say anything new negative about New Jack because I it's not it's, it doesn't matter to me. I you know I had my relationship with him. It is what it is. And Paul Heyman, uh, you should check this out, Steph. If you didn't, um, Paul Heyman gave a very nice eulogy of sorts on Talking Smack, talking about uh, New Jack, Jerome Young, if you will. So yeah, um, it's one of those wrestling deaths where you're almost surprised it didn't happen sooner. It's kind of sad to say, because, like, New Jack, yeah, man, like, he just, he's come to the ring, they play um, Natural Born Killers the whole match. They didn't have the rights to Natural Born Killers, they just played it. You know, he hit a guy with, Mark, Mark, I wish Mark was here, because Mark's favorite thing was when he would come out with a banjo, New Jack, and he's act like he's playing the banjo, and then he'd wallop the motherfucker with a banjo. Um... ECW is a wild time, honestly. I mean, that's... that man, like, when I just think of him, I think of what is arguably the most bladed forehead in the history of pro uh -huh. wrestling. That yeah. is just a crater of scar tissue on his head. Like, yeah. it is. He he bled for the sport of pro wrestling, whether you liked him or not. Oh, you know, my man, a lot of people did some stuff at ECW for us that <laughs> didn't get the tanks they deserved or money. Um, picks. UFC Fight Night. I read they're doing all the fight nights they're expecting to be at the apex for the rest of the year, Steph. Um, which I didn't expect that, to be honest, because... Bobby, very much only pay-per-views are worthy of signing uh, COVID death waivers for crowds. I don't think they need to do that anymore. Honestly, when the CDC said, if you're vaccinated, you're cool. Like, I think all bets... I mean, it's interesting how bad... You think the have. UFC is going out of their way to prove verification of uh no i don't know how I, didn't, I, I don't honestly my honest like mma aside i think my gent my i had an employee asked me i mean how like say to me like how could the cdc recommend people not wear masks anymore and i said honestly i think the impression is anybody who wants a vaccine is gonna has gotten a vaccine or is about you know about to get a vaccine and that we can't remain in a holding pattern forever to placate a group of people who are never gonna um agree to get the vaccine so it's very much saying you're if you don't want to get a vaccine you've accepted the consequences that's my take on the situation honestly so i think that's where we collectively have reached which is interesting considering how badly this country handled the actual pre-vaccine part of this pandemic and we're fucking just like killing it on the bad use of words but we're doing amazing on the vaccine rollout quite frankly so it's interesting how quickly things turn. But that's my take on what it is because shit's open. Everything's open. I mean, California is going to wait a couple of weeks, but there's no indoor mask mandate in most of the states anymore because of the CDC. Anyway, they're going to be in the apex for the rest of the year, which I'm genuinely surprised by because they have they. I don't know how quickly, how far in advance you got to book arenas, but I guess they don't think. I mean, I'm sure they could sell tickets if they actually put a good enough show together in any of these places, but. Maybe they'll put some shit into Hard Rock in Vegas. Main event, though, is a fight that I know you've been looking forward to for quite some time. Your boy, Rob Font, getting that fucking main event push, man. Taking on Cody Garbrandt, a banger at bantamweight. Um, 
couple other interesting fights on this. But Rob Font coming off of who the hell did he knock out? It was a big one too. Oh, don't put me on the spot. You know my memory is. Uh, no, it was a, he got a really big win. God damn it, Marlon! He knocked out Marlon. That's right. Yeah, and Cody Garbrandt, who honestly I have never felt more uneasy picking a fight before, because Cody Garbrandt's coming off of having really bad COVID complications. Um, he's and coming he, off of harassing a flight attendant. That's that who too. He's coming off of that too. Um, that also, but like, remember the whole thing about like he was just like fucked. Like, genuinely fucked up for, like... Yeah, that's why the story was as weirdly received as it was, is, like, the guy who's being really angry about mass mandates when COVID derailed your professional career for a full calendar year. Mm -hmm. Like, you're the guy who's going to be upset about mass mandates. Do you remember when he was going to get a title shot at 125, like, immediately? And that's why I had to pull that fight. That's how Moreno got the fight. I still like Cody at 125. I think that's a better choice for him. Um... Anyway, man, I was uh, someone pointed this out. I saw this video on YouTube talking about how remember when Cody Garbrandt was dodging punches, like mimicking Dominic Cruz in a fight, and we went from that, like a guy showing how good his defense was and hands, to becoming absurdly hittable very quickly. Like what happened there? I believe it's he had a couple of back injuries, right? And that was a mm-hmm. thing that always kind of concerned me with him because uh, our, our we had Mike to uh, residentially explain after the age of thirty, back your back doesn't get better. You know, mm-hmm. your back you just there's a lot. Mike talked about his uh, you know, in detailed uh, stretching regiment for his back because your back gives you issues the older you get. So you know, with those surgeries stood to reason his mobility was going to lessen his little lateral quickness was going to just go, you know, and in the combat sports, fractional slowdowns and movement is all the difference in the world between getting hit by that hook or not. So, um, yeah, it's like you said, it's tough because in a year's time, we don't know if he's gotten healthier or worse. You know, it's, uh, it's really tough to say without seeing him. Do you remember when we thought like when he was going to fight Dominic, we're like, okay, Dominic is so in this fucking kid's head that he's not going to be able to function properly, right? He's just going to see red the whole time. And then Cody put on maybe, like, the best performance of his career, probably, in terms of just, like, technique and everything. And then but with the TJ shit, it seemed like he like he lost all sense of composure. It's like two different people. That's what you just call, uh, in Fire Emblem terms, Bobby, that's the weapon triangle, a.k.a. Mm. rock, paper, scissors. Is, <laughs> uh, each one of them was the perfect foil to the other one for some reason, and that's what kind of made that weird triple rivalry so fun. Well, yeah, we don't have any picks from the guys, but me and Steph are going to make these picks, and then Steph at the end is going to tell me what parlay I'm going to lose money on here <laughs> when I go to Vegas. Yeah, but I might uh, get 30 on it. Yeah, whatever we come up with here, we're going to lay some money on this. 30 um, is my arbitrary number of what's in my uh, Venmo account I can send you. This is, this is, that's, Venmo money's not real either. You know it's not real. Um, half the PS5 was paid for with Venmo, Venmo money. I only paid 250 for that thing. Um, betting line for this, though, is Close. Jesus Christ. Rob what was it when I said? What did I what was it when I sent it to you this morning? Because I think it's uh, Rob Font was the slight favorite at minus one fifteen to minus one oh five Cody Garbrandt in a double favorites match. Yeah, now it's minus one ten, both <laughs> five dives. Um well, I mean you're picking your boy Rob Font? Uh I am, you know. Um he's my guy. I'm I'm just gonna keep rolling with him. He's it's 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 tough, right? Because what Rob Font does well is historically what the good version of Cody Garbrandt probably does better, right? Mm-hmm. 
he has even better movement with just as much power in his hands you know rob he's not flashy you know he's a really good boxer you know um credible grappling game but he's here to punch he's not here to stall you out he's not here to calf kick you to death he's here to punch you um so it really just comes down to where is cody at in his physical you know health and durability um and that's impossible to say but um it's even money so i'm I'm gonna roll with my guy here and uh you know um I would love it that Rob Font wins and then whatever that airline was, we suddenly see their Twitter account be like, yo, Rob, get a free ticket to anywhere we fly. Where you want to yeah, go? Yeah, we're looking for the, you know, Rob Font is our champion tweet, right? Like that. <laughs> that's, um, that's, that's what I'm looking for, Bob. I feel I've picked Cody Garbrandt a lot. I know I have because he was a guy I thought very highly of. And I don't think it's too late for him to get his shit together. But I don't think coming off of dealing with COVID – is where that's going to happen necessarily. And I like, is he fighting at 135 because he can't get down to 125? And, or does he just need a fight because man hasn't fought in the air? And, you know, don't think they're handing out a lot of PPP loans for, you know, unless they're Tito Ortiz. Um, it's a whole different can of wax. Um, but I don't know where he's at. And I would, you know, I'm happy with either result, quite frankly, because uh, I think this is going to be an awesome fight. I would like to see the winner of this stay in the weight class, though. And if it's not going to be Cody, probably best for Robert, Rob Font. So I'll take – I think Rob Font, man, he's really coming to his own. Uh, let's see where let's see where we get with this thing. So I'll you take go, Rob Font. Rob. I'm, I'm I'm Rob. Yeah, we don't have Mike and Mark's picks yet, but I'm certain one of them is going to take uh, Cody I think they both. I think they both might take Cody, quite frankly. Yeah. I think this is – honestly, it's like – It's a coin flip. I'm not, I, I'm not sure – if Cody's not, I mean, do you think it's getting into the, going into the line, Cody's thing? Do you think Cody be a favorite if he wasn't? I mean, because Cody's not exactly won a lot of fights recently either. It like, like say, it, it really is impossible to say just because like like the ideal version of him is better than Rob Font, but back injuries accumulating a year off from COVID, you know, like I don't know what COVID did to him, right? I don't, I haven't followed him personally like that, you know. Um, just as like a counterpoint is uh, one of the star NBA players who had extended complications from COVID is uh, Jason Tatum of the Boston Celtics. Uh, he's 22 years old. He's one of those young all-stars, looks like to be the future of the league, will be one of the top guys for the next 10 years. But uh, he said in an interview, I use an inhaler now. I've never had an inhaler before this point in my life. And now I need to have an inhaler on the sideline because that's how my breathing has changed. You know, and that stuff affects you. So, like I said, I don't know the intimate details of what Cody actually went through. There's just so many variables. Yeah, man. that's why. That's why the reason. Like, if I was like, if I knew what I was getting with here, I probably would. I kick, I picked Cody a lot. And I'm wrong a lot, obviously recently. But God damn it, I was the only one who picked him when all you guys picked Thomas Almeida. I'll tell you this: it worked well, out better. What happened Thomas. since then, Bob? We all stopped picking Thomas Almeida, and what happened in <laughs> Thomas, Thomas Almeida's last fighting. fight? What happened in his last fight, man? It just it got bad. He got uh, you know, he he put up a good fight, but he got starched in his last fight. Was that um that was with uh what's his name right? Sideshow Bob. Yeah. What's his yeah? Just I forgot his name. Oh, O'Malley. There it is. Um. Okay, by the way, Ben Rothwell is a minus 300 against somebody on this card. So don't that is the it. fight where – That is – what do you mean? We're don't betting the it. other guy. What do you mean? We're betting the yeah, other guy. Yeah, okay, that's, <laughs> betting, that's a live underdog. Betting, that's a live dog, baby. Um, all right. Um, Yan – I can't say her. Is it Jonan? Yan Jonan? I would say Yan uh, Zhao. Zhao Nan. Zhao Nan? Kind of almost a Z sound. 
um, Zhao Nan taking on Carla Esparza. Uh, Jan coming off of one, two, three, four, five, six, six fights in the UFC, all wins by decision. Um, 13 and one, 13, one and one overall. Um, Carla Esparza, on the other hand, the former champion. She's won four straight, man. We we all kind of wrote Carla Esparza off a while ago, I feel. But she's really putting it together. A lot of decisions here, too. No one's finishing anybody in this fight, folks. There'll be no finish. Um, betting odds for this one, Stefan? You talk about writing Carla Esparza off. The betting line kind of is. And just that she was... When I saw it, I was surprised she was the underdog. But plus 110 underdog for Carla Esparza to Zhao Nan's minus 130 favorite. Okay. I never pick Carla Esparza, I've realized. I'm the one who picked Joanna because I thought it was funny that she gave her a cookie. Like, that was that was where I was at. That's how little I thought of here, okay? You, I mean, you guys was mocked. I know I'm not trying to get credit here because you, I remember you guys all mocked me for picking Joanna because you're like, of course Carla's going to win. That's how long it's, I've it's been like not picking Carla. Says, it's easy to just guess right on a pick. He that was has a sense of pride when he breaks down how the fight is actually going to go. We don't always do that, right? No, that was just like, I like this lady. She might win. She gave her um, an expired cookie. Um, and then she was like, it wasn't expired. I promise. Um, I got, uh, I'm going to take Carla. I never pick Carla, but in a land where Carla's not going to get finished, I kind of get the impression I know what this fight looks like. And that is called a split decision. And it's going to be hard to tell who won. And I'm going to go with Carlos Barza getting the nod here. I mean, we've got two fighters here good at winning decisions. But Carla's on a bit of a run. Not six fights in a row on a run. But I think she's going to get it done here. What do you think, Steph? Um, Yeah, it, it's tough to call. I actually don't have a lot of visual memory in my head of stored footage of Jeanne's fight. I can't super clearly like remember her wins. Um, that said... I feel the way this is going to go is Mike and Mark are also going to pick Carla due to familiarity. And this is going to be a situation where three of you are going to pick the underdog. And I'll be like, well, if you'll just give me the favorite, I may as well take it. So I am going to go with Zhao Nan on this on the complete assumption. There is no way Mike and Mark are picking her because they don't know who she is either. Here's the thing, Mike. Mike's gonna listen to this because you know Mike does. Mike might on might on principle <laughs> bigger now at this point. Um, by the way, I didn't give the standings of where we're at going into this. Um, Mike's in first at thirty-two and sixteen. We've gotten much better this year overall. By the way, Mike's thirty-two and sixteen. I'm thirty-one and seventeen. Mark's twenty-nine and nineteen. And you're a little little literal coin flip, brother. Twenty-four and twenty-four. Goddamn baseline of. Flipping a coin right there for us. And so, just to the listeners here and to, uh, you know, the the listeners of our podcast who are over in the Stefan section, um, mm-hmm. you guys know, right? It, it's it's kind of almost dastardly at this point is <laughs> the rest of the guys, they just refuse to acknowledge the 10 point modifier, which was clearly stated. It was very clearly stated. You, you're you're barely ahead with the, ten, with the plus 10 uh, modifier. <laughs> and so when the final standings go, you guys will be right to be salty about this and how people are just refusing <laughs> to accept something that we all spoke to. Uh, but you know what? We're, we're going to go plus 15 on the Logan Paul hey. May, Mayweather fight if you pick Logan Paul. That's what we're going to do on that one. Um, all right. There's a couple other interesting fights on this card. Um, but the one we're going to pick is the one we were actually going to pick last week. Didn't get to because we lost the fight. Jack Hermanson, Edmund Shabazian, 
Um, Jack Hermanson's last fight we saw him in was when he, uh, unfortunately for him, got Marvin Vittoried, um back in December. Fight of the night. Um, before that, heel hook went over Kelvin Gastelum. Before that, getting knocked out by Jared Cannonier. Um, Edmund Shabazian, dude came in real hot, man. Um, he was fucking people up. Came into the UFC, uh, won four straight fights, was on a contender series, got it. He knocked out Brad Tavares. Like, I mean, short of using a lead pipe, knocking out Brad Tavares is, you know, damn near impossible. Got him with a head kick, tapped out Jack Marshman, wins over Charles Bird and Darren Stewart. And then Derek Brunson put him on the treadmill, Steph. Put him on that treadmill. And by treadmill, he just, you know, put him on the ground and made him not get, let him not get up for a while. Beat his ass. TKO in the third round. Exposed a real, um, well, I'm not sure. I mean, it might have been too much too soon, quite frankly. Derek Brunson is an excellent fighter. But it also might have been just a cardio deficiency we saw as well. Betting line for this one, Steph. Um, what do we got? We got a uh, gentleman Jack coming in as the minus 155 favorite to Edmonds plus 135 underdog. When they when he was booked against uh, Brunson, I think I told you they've 100% booked this. I think we all agreed. They did not book this fight for Derek Brunson to win. This was a let's get this prospect to win. That's why they booked Derek Brunson. We That's the story recently. of Derek Brunson's career, yeah. right? He let's just, give Derek Brunson a guy to recently do it to. Kevin Holland. Kevin Holland, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that's what they do to Derek Brunson. And Derek Brunson keeps persevering. I feel Derek Brunson parked in Dana White's spot once, and is just this is where we are. I am not written off this kid entirely because he's very young. Um, I don't like the camp he's in um, because it's hard to take Edmund um, Tarverian. I was about to say Targaryen. I swear to God. Edmund Tarverian. <laughs> Seriously, because... Look, he found a way to make Ronda knock people out. I'm going to get the man a little bit of credit here. But there's no defense. There's giant deficiencies in his coaching. Um, So he's only 23. I think he'll actually, he might turn into something. Um, I feel it. Like he hasn't fought in a goddamn while, though. He hasn't fought in a year. I would have liked to see him fight more Um, coming off of that loss. Jack, we know Jack's a good fighter. Was his last fight his loss to Kelvin? Uh, Jack or, or Jack. you mean know, uh, Jack? His last loss was his last fight was um, Marvin. That was Marvin in December. Oh, Marvin! He beat Kelvin. He heel hooked Kelvin. Uh. uh then he lost to Marvin. But uh, Shabazian hasn't fought since last August, and I think that's a mistake. You got to get reps in, man. Um, I don't feel comfortable picking him. I wouldn't be shocked if he won, considering how good he looked in his wins. But Jack's just a more tried and test, uh, true performer here, and. I, uh, I didn't ask for the betting line, but I believe he's a favorite too, right, Steph? Oh, no, I gave it. We had minus 155 Jack to plus 135 Eddie. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to take Hermanson here. What do you got? Um, Same. Uh, You know, um, his thing that really kind of put him on the scene, it, it looks less good in hindsight because it was part of this kind of bad streak. But, you know, he really, really pieced up Jacare. Um mm-hmm. I forgot that he actually beat Kelvin, right? That's yeah. That's a really big notch because Kelvin is the guy who always gets to fight the guys who were champion, who are about to become champion. But, you know, he does give very credible performances even when he's outmatched in those. So, you know, he's a very high-quality guy in his own right. Um, but, you know, I mentioned Reddit earlier. This one's a shout-out to my prequel heads um, because uh, 
Ed, Ed, Edmund uh, Tarverdian, uh, he's Chancellor Valorum, and I am the Galactic Republic delegates, and I move for a vote of no confidence, Bobby. I just don't believe in anything this guy touches. Um, even Edmund, when he was gonna hit that main event card he had that he lost. I was like, I've never seen this guy and he's a main eventer now. Like I didn't see any of it. I didn't catch any of his other previous fights. All I knew had to hear was who his camp was. And I'm like, I don't believe in this kid. And it turned out to be the worst performance of his career against Derek Brunson. So maybe he might be something right. He said he's young. He has 23, you know, like, you know, knocking out Brad Tavares, who's a very tough guy, right? That that's not nothing. There's clearly a skill set there, but I just have no faith in that camp whatsoever. You talked about Ronda knockout. She got the uh, knockout on like turns out one of the worst striking women in the history of the sport. You know, mm. um, and when uh, Trav uh, when Travis went over there, that dude started having Stefan Struve level knockouts, like in terms of being knocked out, like he was being devastated like you said there are defensive holes in however they coach that when people lose from that camp they lose spectacularly like it's rough i, I gotta see it to believe it and i i haven't i haven't seen it yet by the way i i think uh this is a legitimate problem that he's a boxing coach and the gloves are way smaller in mma just legitimately i think it's an issue also mazel tov to ronda rousey and travis brown they've been trying a long time and she's pregnant so Good for her. They got a bunch of goats. I've, I've been on her YouTube channel. They have a farm. It's what she does now. We're just never getting that pro wrestling uh, for horsewomen, huh? Yeah, never. Um, Jessamine doesn't even wrestle. She's just on up, up, down, down. I was say, it's like, I feel like the other two that were there, I haven't <laughs> seen them do anything in a long time. I think Roddy quit. <laughs> I'm not sure if Marina's got a job. Yeah, Marina's just raising her and Roddy's kid, right? They're just a little yeah. family now? Hey, man, man, maybe Roddy was getting paid. Roddy just left. I don't know what he's up to. Um, all right. Um, couple. Just mentioning a couple other fights. Um, Felicia Spencer is on this card, taking on a women's featherweight fighter with no Wikipedia page. Um, we got Ben Rothwell against Chris Barnett. I will be betting on Chris Barnett. Just telling you right now. I got at least 20 bucks I don't want to see ever again. A plus 250 Chris Barnett. And the reason Mike can't get an interview with Court McGee is because Court McGee is in Vegas. <laughs> and he's fighting Claudio Silva. Um, man, Yancey Medeiros is like the second fight on the card. What happened? Remember when Yancey was hot shit like a year and a half ago? So you tell me y'all are definitely going to run into Court McGee in Vegas. Yeah, it's 100%. We're, I'm just going to walk around the, um, what's the name of the fucking shops? We always, oh no, you know where we're going to. We're going to the Las Vegas fight shop. If I don't see Court McGee at the Las Vegas fight shop, you're going to see a picture. Are you just going to get a text from me on Saturday? Just me and my arm around Court McGee. Like, yes. <laughs> I'm going to ask about the watch again. See if he's got a coupon code for you. Um, all right. Let's do stuff we like. Um, I watched Jupiter's Legacy, but I'm going to hold off on that until Mike gets back because Mike has watched it as well, and I want to get his thoughts before we – get into that deep shit and Stefan hasn't watched it at all. And I think he will check it out. Maybe a little I'll get there eventually. I, yeah. I said, I got a lot on the plate right now. Yeah. You know what? It's hard to get past the fact that Josh Dumel is the lead. And it's not that I don't like Josh Dumel, but it's traditionally like he doesn't do much. It's not, it's not good. What he's in generally. He's normally just, you know, we'll blow some shit up. Um, also, everyone I know who's talked about it, and this is something when you look at that, like kind of like not movie poster, but you know, like the little poster for the, the icon for it, that wig looks terrible <laughs> that wig is yeah. like why do i want to watch this why do i want to watch josh demel in a big bad white wig 
Um, the thing I did like is that like is that Anna Akana. I'm not sure if familiar with her at all. I am. She had uh, a YouTube, she has a YouTube channel, and she yeah. her forays into actual media have always been of a surprise to me. Yeah, she was. She played Batista in Wrestling Isn't Wrestling. I remember too. Yeah, she, that she, little she, video. She's if she makes it as an actress, she's one of the rare true YouTube crossover like yeah. the best stories. Yeah, that's why. Like when she showed up in episode, like it's like eight episodes. This isn't a spoiler. She's just in there in episode seven, and I'm like, oh shit, it's on yeah. Akana. Yeah, I, got she, really I know. She, I've seen the still. I know she plays an actual character. Yeah. Um, the first random thing I super saw in is funny because she she technically has a speaking role, but she doesn't because it's voiced over. Uh, she's Ant-Man. a man, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when, uh, when the guy is recalling his story at the end, uh, it <laughs> involves her as the hot girl. Who's telling show, the story? Uh, super duper fine, right? Was that yeah. what it is? Super duper. <laughs> all the comments uh, I saw on Reddit, she's like, "Oh, Anna Connors in this," and all the comments were for you know yeah. Jupiter's legacy. She's like, "Oh, was she super duper fine or whatever, or, or crazy stupid fine or whatever it was?" Um, that's an interesting show though. Um, so it's worth checking out. The other thing I watched um, is I watched. Uh, I learned I didn't know a lot about Nick Gage. Um, Dark Side of the Ring um, was it an episode about him? He's a deathmatch wrestler. And I think the Reddit comment that took away, that really summed it up for me well, is watching this has taught me that my speed of deathmatch might be shitty sparklers like Moxley and Omega had. Because, yo, man, I am... Light tubes I've learned stuff on is where I draw the line where I am not comfortable with what I'm seeing at all. And, oh, this guy's an interesting story, though, because, like, he was a deathmatch wrestler, he was a drug addict, he robbed a bank... And his gimmick is that he, uh, when he wrestles, his gimmick is he's wearing a bandana over his face. And when he robbed a bank, he had nothing on his face. And John Moxley's on the episode, and Moxley goes, I got an email in 2011 saying, check this out. And it was a little video of Nick, of, of a bank getting robbed. And I'm like, holy shit, that's Nick Gage. And then Moxley's like, this fucking guy, he wears a mat, he wears a, a bandana covering his face in the ring all the time. The one time he robs a bank, doesn't cover his face. That was excellent. Um, I learned a lot about him. Uh, I didn't, you know, it's interesting where you talk about this. There's a whole generation of wrestlers influenced by ECW in not a good way. <laughs> um, but, you know, he talks about why he does it and just like, you know what? I love the rush of the crowd and all that yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, yeah, you could do that and not bleed like a stuck pig. But whatever. That show remains um, my favorite weekly show to watch these days. And next week they're talking about the time WCW went to North Korea. Which I am very excited to watch. Um, but yeah, I don't have a lot this week. Steph, what do you got? <laughs> yeah, um, you know, a lot of continuing on. Like, it, it's, you know, I, I won't rename them at this point, but like, I'm watching like seven different anime shows right now. Um, I did start one, which isn't new. It, it probably concluded its first season um, maybe like a couple of months ago, but I was just, you know, had a lot on the slate, so I was catching up to it now. Mike would have known about it, but it's called Jujutsu Kaisen. Um, it's basically the big shonen hype. Um, shonen being kind of the battle anime series that, like, if you're not a typical follower of anime, you've heard of the shonen genre because the shonen genre is your Dragon Ball Z, Bleach, Naruto, My Hero Academia. It's the big power fantasy ones about a young person who kind of gets exponentially more strong and powerful as they meet teachers and fight better it's it's that's kind of the most well-known formula of anime shows um it kind of has kind of a supernatural kind of ghost and demon twist basically what they're battling are like curses and everything so kind of monsters so in that sense it kind of gives it a bit of a more adult feeling 
than some of these just because the monsters they come up with there is a lot of death on the show um dealing with these curses and things which is kind of interesting um but you know i'd heard so much about it and i i knew i would get to it eventually and you know um not quite done with the first season yet but it's it's pretty spectacular it's one of those as, as i watched it like i see what the hype is i get why everyone talks about it i get why this is the kind of biggest new series to come around in a few years so um definitely enjoying that um this past week one of the biggest thing i enjoyed and this is where mark would have come in um you know, neither of us picked up this last iteration, but, you know, we've been playing them for as long as we can remember going back to the original PlayStation. But uh, Resident Evil 7 had come out, uh, Resident Evil Village. And Mark and I, you know, this is one thing I, I do super appreciate. I didn't quite understand in the earlier days of the, like, internet YouTube stuff, but I get now. Bob, you know, there's a certain point where you just, you don't have the time, you don't have the money, or you don't have the energy, right? Whatever it is, you're missing some combination of it to play a video game like that. Mm-hmm. But with Miracle of YouTube and Twitch, you can just watch people play it, you know? Mm-hmm. And it kind of just works as a background thing. And uh, Mark and myself, not together, but like, you know, separately, and we would talk about it. We've been watching a couple streamers. Uh, Maximilian Dude um, is one that we've watched a lot. Um, Gab Smolders, uh, she is the girlfriend of another really popular uh, YouTuber who goes, whose channel name is uh, Jacksepticeye. Um, but she, I know who that is. Yeah, he's really, really mm-hmm. famous. One of those has millions of like subscribers type guys. But um, yeah, she loves a lot of the horror stuff. And so Mark and I had both watched her playthrough of Resident Evil 7. Really, really cool game. Um, if you haven't played it and if you've been on the Internet, you've probably seen the big lady. Bobby, you've seen the big lady, right? Everyone likes the big lady. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and the funny yeah. thing is, is like she really is only in like the first like 15, 20 percent of the game. But that's kind of everyone's takeaway. Is, is this a PlayStation exclusive or is it everything? Um, I think it might be everything. I, if it's, not, I don't know if it's on Xbox, but it definitely at least came out on PC as well because some people were playing it on really like souped up. You PC bought it rigs. on PS4? Oh, like I didn't buy it at all. Mark and I were just watching it in absence oh, okay. of buying it. So you know, it's one you of bought, those things. Is like you bought two K though, brother. That's the big news. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about giga- that. We'll sixty talk about gigabyte that. update, brother. We'll, we'll talk about that in a second, um, and then we'll talk about why I'm going to tell you not to buy it. <laughs> uh, I'll be honest; I was already there, but okay. <laughs> yeah. But um, I just want to say, in terms of the series, you know, without going, like I said to Mark, I, you know, we played the original Resident Evil back on the original PlayStation, but there have been so, like I said, this is the seventh one. I lost the lore somewhere in between four through six. I kind of stopped understanding what was going on. But, you know, I tried to get a little summary video to catch up on it. Um, But I just want to say seven, having watched the complete thing now, having seen the ending, having seen the after credits, um, seven might be one of my favorites of the entire franchise. The story is phenomenal. The scares are genuinely creepy. Um, You know, again, I I don't want to go into spoiler because I highly recommend if you're interested in Resident Evil, it's something you just want to experience yourself. But um, the way this game ties up the lore of the whole series, it was truly awesome. So um, one of my super most enjoyable games to like, you know, backseat, be a backseat watcher to in recent memory. So, um, you know, if if Resident Evil means something to you, I definitely think it's worth watching a playthrough of someone that you like um, and get along with. So um, that's there. Uh, Yeah, Bob mentioned I after numerous sales. Um, I saw WWE 2K20 on sale in the PS Store for $30. It was the deluxe, like, $100 edition, so you get all the DLCs, 
you get all kind of everything. You get the accelerator that unlocks everything from the beginning. Um, and I was conned. I was conned by an internet article posted on May 5th of this year saying after a full calendar year and a lot of book patches that the game has been mostly fixed and it's pretty fun now. And I am here to tell you, after immediately downloading a 65 gigabyte patch upon purchase of this game, it's playable. It is not fixed. There is so much jankiness in this game. They should have just started over, man. They should have just started over. And that is why the next series in the game is going to be 2K22. Um, They very smartly took off uh, 2021 to make it a two-year cycle instead of it doing an annual thing. And hopefully they'll finally get it right. Um, I don't want to rehash the details, but if you know, you know they were put in a bad place and kind of forced to launch that game with very little development time. Um, but you know, like I said, hats off from what the issues were. And I remember seeing all the joke meme videos, people who don't like wrestling would post videos about it. Cause that's how broken this game was when it came out. It is playable, but it is far from a truly enjoyable experience. Cause there's still a lot of jankiness messed up. Like I said, I took a stab on it. It was like 70% off. You know, I don't regret it too much. I've wasted $30 faster and I may waste another $30 with some betting parlay you do this weekend. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it happens. Um, and then otherwise, just quick shout out to live sports. You know, I went to um, this last Warriors game against Memphis, which was set in the plans. We got the plan games coming in this week. Warriors versus Lakers. Steph yeah, Curry yeah. should be the MVP. I don't want to hear your jokish nonsense. No one oh, cares okay. about the Denver Nuggets. <laughs> who cares about the third place Denver Nuggets who are going to get eliminated by the second Eighth round? Eighth place, baby. We believe 2.0. It's by the way, we're four, and a, we're four and a half point dogs. I just looked. I'm hammering that fucking line when I get there. That is, we're, I'm getting rich on that, okay? <laughs> Would do it. Um, and then lastly, I just kind of wanted to give a somber shout out to uh, not a thing I like, but a thing I loved. So, um, you know, for those of you who listened last week, I wasn't here. Um, unfortunately, I was saying goodbye to one of the uh, OG founding members of what I have affectionately dubbed the Bully Squad. Um, then that's, you know, you guys know, I have a couple bulldogs, Lumpia and Gogi, but for a couple of years there, I, uh, you know, lived with one of my dear friends, Courtney, and she had an English bulldog named Porkchop. Um, absolutely loved the hell out of her. Just, you know, anybody who's been <laughs> ever known an English bulldog, they are some of the sweetest creatures in this world. Um, and we had to say goodbye to her at the ripe age of 11 years old, you know, um, theme that we're talking about with fighters you know time catches up to us all and you know she had a really great run um said goodbye to her i love that dog love courtney um love bulldogs loved all dogs period you know most all of us are dog owners on this podcast mike who doesn't yet have one of his own is a a friend and ally to the canine world so um just lost one of our gang this week so um just wanted to give my love and condolences to courtney and hers um yeah really Love pork chop, really good dog. Yep. That was a really, really good dog. Um, all right, boys and girls. Um, I think that's it for this week. Um, we're gonna be back next week. We're gonna be uh, previewing. Holy shit! There's no card. There's no organized. Oh, there's no card. Wow. They have. How, what happened to Memorial Day every year was a pay per view. Now there's just no card. That's interesting. Um, so we'll talk about something. I'm sure, Bellator's got something going on. Maybe someone will get arrested. 
Maybe John Jones may, will say something that may, he has to delete when he reads maybe, about how Stipe is next. Maybe we'll talk about Anthony Rumble Johnson and identity theft, which I we didn't even get into that. I need I need I to figure out what happened there. That I was mean, a weird quick one. thing for if you guys heard about it for under five hundred dollar value. Come on, you know, in for a penny, in for a pound, as they say. Yeah. Um, wow, that was a thing. Um, all right, guys, I'll be back next week. Um, we're going to see how much money I lost. It's going to be some amount. How much it's money definitely we won, some- Bobby? How much money we won? We're going to have to work with well, one of us might win. We have to, we have to, we have different picks for these three fights. Fair enough. So, God, I don't want to pick, I don't want to bet on any of these fights. They're too close. <laughs> these are dangerous fights. <laughs> you don't bet on minus 100 fights. You bet on a bunch of minus 300 fights. It's like a savings account. You go from safe investments. Um, all right. Um, I was Dr. Law. That was Kid Presentable. Um, we'll see y'all next week. Peace out. Cheers. <laughs>